The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy All Star Break, Brandon Day. Oh boy, happy yeah. All Star Break, Brandon Day. It has been a really nice couple days to not. I don't know. Be obsessed with my cell phone, continuing to check my teams every single second. It's been a I nice miss little, it. Uh, rest. Dude, I'm so on the other side of this one. I miss it like hell. This is this week is exposing me to all of the fires that I needed to put out that had nothing to do with my fantasy team, and those fires suck compared to fantasy team fires. They're very real. <laughs> They're very yeah, stressful. That's true. That is true. But I, uh, it's just I don't have to think about who to stream every single day. I've already added the guy I want to go for tomorrow, and I've started to plan out the next couple of days. But it's like not analyzing every single box score. It's uh, it has made work um, a little more productive. I'll, uh, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'll do that. It's, it's I don't know. Man. That's too much going on. That's what the off season is for, man. That's when I'll get my actual work done. I need I need my games back. How did you? What did you think about the All Star break? Did you like the festivities? You and I haven't you know spoken since funny? then. Yeah, you know what's funny about it is that I actually didn't get a chance to watch um, anything really on Saturday, but then I went at work on Monday and I watched basically the highlights, the 25-minute highlights of the dunk contest. And I thought the dunk contest was great. Aaron Gordon got robbed um, and the scoring was stupid. I don't know why all of a sudden the last round they decided to give nines when they were getting 50s before that. Um, The game itself was great. I mean, the first three quarters were stupid, but it's kind of how it usually goes. But the fourth quarter, they did a really nice job, and you knew that LeBron's team was going to make a comeback. Um, it was definitely tough to watch guys like Kawhi and uh, LeBron that probably didn't want to play the amount of minutes they were supposed to. Because in the fourth quarter, there's no actual minute clock. So it could say seven or eight minutes, but they were out there for freaking forever. <laughs> so uh, that's the one thing about that fourth quarter that's going to end up hurting guys. And uh, it's funny because then you had guys like Nick Nurse. And he could go ahead and just, eh, you know what? Let's play. Uh, let's play these guys a little more. Couple, a couple more minutes. We might play in the playoffs. Yeah, let's play them a couple more minutes. Uh, Vogel. Yeah, let's play Kawhi. Let's let's run down to the ground. But it was still fun. Yeah, and Kawhi won the uh, inaugural Kobe Bryant All Star Game MVP trophy, so that had to be pretty cool for him. Yeah. Well, he was on fire to start that ball game from three, so that was cool. Uh, I, I, I was debating between which direction to go to open this show. For one, it's not going to be a traditional buy low, sell high because it is the all-star break. So we have a little twist on it. This, by the way, is fantasy NBA today. You probably picked that up from the British lady at the, at the front end, but we'll tell you too. I'm Dan Vespers. He is Brandon Marcus. It's Brandon Day. Hey, you know what we haven't discussed in a while? Our ailments. Have you any ailments, good sir? No, no. Ailment free. Please. Please, the life of me, no more ailments for the next month. I have a wedding to attend. Can you uh, uh, can you believe the following statement? I didn't get sick in January. Yeah, that's ridiculous. The fact that your kid was sick and you didn't catch it might be one of the world's biggest question marks about how you somehow got past that. I don't know. I have no yeah. explanation. I have none none you're 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 so confused and so dumbfounded that you had to like wait a second or two you'd be like wow you're right i don't even know how that's possible yeah but you know what the, i now i like i still feel beat up so i just have to blame it on something else now and i don't know i need to i need another scapegoat besides just being sick all the time uh 
Oh, your old buddy Bespris here is a little fatigued. So, uh, Brandon, you can follow on Twitter at BDMarcus. I'm at Dan Bespris. I thought we could start with the Beeline stuff, and then I realized that, uh, of course, Brandon, the host of our Hoopball Clippers podcast here at uh, The Hoob, and you guys picked up a buyout market player yesterday. That happened. There was there was something that actually happened related to the Clippers. You guys now are, well, I guess it's not official yet, but Reggie Jackson is expected to become your backup point guard. Yeah, interesting. I didn't see that one coming, honestly. Um, he is a guy they desperately need right now just because Pat Beverly is hurt and we don't know when he's going to be back. And frankly, I think that they'd rather have somebody in there so that they don't need to rush him back. And this allows him to play less minutes. And it also takes Lou Williams off the ball a little bit, which is nice. You don't have him running around with the ball for 30 minutes trying to figure things out. He can come off the ball and become more of a scorer for that second unit. Uh, It makes a lot of sense. And this Clippers team, man, is really deep. And I think the hardest part for Doc now in the final couple of months is figuring out which players work well together. That's really going to be his toughest coaching job. He, he had a really tough coaching job in the last couple of years when the Clippers kept selling away guys like Blake Griffin and Tobias Harris. But now I think this is going to be his toughest because he's got the high expectations on his team and he's got to figure out a way to incorporate these players with the other players that work the best next to Kawhi and PG. And then when they're off the floor, who works the best next to Lou, who works the best next to Trez? It's going to be tough to figure out, but it'll be something to be fun to watch over the next couple of months. What does this do for the rest of the Pistons? Now, looking at the other side, I guess it's a fantasy question all of a sudden here. Uh, We we talked a little bit about it on the Real Big Three with Bogman and Jonas yesterday. Uh, Derek Rose, Bruce Brown, anything beyond that? Who who jumps out at you? Because Reggie Jackson was actually starting to soak up a lot of the usage in Detroit before the buyout. Yeah, I don't think that it affects a whole lot, to be honest with you, because Reggie Jackson was doing well when Rose was off the floor. So now Rose is back. Rose will step into the majority of those minutes. Uh, Bruce Brown was already playing about 30 minutes per game. So, I mean, he's not going to go and play 40 per game. Um, His usage might go up a little bit, and he's been someone that everyone's been keeping an eye on anyway. So he's probably a fringe 12-team guy. But outside of that, I don't think there's a ton changing because don't forget, we didn't see Reggie Jackson for so long. And then we did come back, Derek Rose wasn't there. Fair enough. All right. Um, any I'm trying to think of what direction to go. I mean, it's weird to not have the buy low, sell high. This is this is a lack of preparation on my part. I actually think that on the about Kyrie. I want to talk about Kyrie. We got okay. Because we're not buy low, sell high. We remember for a while we were talking about Kyrie as a. Uh, I was saying get the, get rid of him. I don't care what you get. Get I don't care if it's seventy five, top eighty, top ninety. Get rid of him for whatever it costs. And then there was a point where you're like, I don't know, Kyrie, man, he's pretty sexy. If you get him back for a couple of games, that could be great. And uh, we were trying to figure out what makes the most sense. Like, who would you give up to um, or how much would you acquire to give up Kyrie? Because obviously Kyrie went healthy. He's a top 10 guy. Right. And now I'm convinced he's not coming back this year. Yeah, you might be right. You're seeming, no you're seeming more and more right on that front, which is is wild. I mean, this is the number five guy on a per-game basis in nine cap, but he's only played 20 games this year, so obviously that's a, a kick in the groin. And now he's... Well, he wasn't even initially out this most recent one for his shoulder, but apparently they've discovered that his shoulder got re-aggravated. It kind of... I mean, this is starting to feel like they just don't want him to play. And it's a little bit weird. I mean, I don't, 
I guess I'm going a tiny bit tinfoil hat on this thing, but isn't it strange? I mean, this wasn't even the injury he was out for. Yeah, but at the same time, why would you play him? So that you can go and get your ass kicked by uh, Milwaukee or Toronto in the first round? Yeah, true. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's the same, you and I were texting a little bit about Steph Curry, so we can, we can cross that at the same exact time. It just doesn't make sense to for a guy like Kyrie that gets hurt it seems like every single year to play him in these meaningless games when you have Kevin Durant ramping up next year. Because if you don't have Kyrie next to Kevin Durant next year, you're screwed. As much as Kyrie Irving has been a polarizing figure, he needs to be on the floor with KD. They don't have enough around Kevin Durant to be a contender next year. And so if you go ahead and you rest Kyrie for the rest of the year and you say, you know what, this team's not good enough. It's just not going to get the job done and you rest him until next year to play him with Kevin Durant, then you should be fine. And it's the same thing with Steph Curry. When Joe Lacob comes out and says he's absolutely coming back, why? For what reasons? You can see how he plays next to D'Angelo Russell. Oh, yeah, D'Angelo Russell is gone. So you can see how he plays next to Andrew Wiggins. He's already on a contract. It, It just doesn't make sense at all to bring back Steph Curry when, A, you're trying to get the best draft pick possible, and, B, what happens if Curry comes back and he tears his ACL? I mean, what's the point in bringing him back? It doesn't make sense. Same thing with Clay Thompson. We're talking about, oh, maybe he'll come back. No chance in hell are you bringing back a guy who just tore his ACL for a couple of games. It just doesn't make sense. And don't forget also that you have all this Olympic stuff coming up too. It, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I want to take this one player at a time, so I'll, I'll address Steph. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the Steph front. I'm not, an, I'm not a 100% agreement on the Kyrie side, uh, but on Steph, I mean, this is a team that is shooting for the bottom. Like, the, the Nets are in a position here where they're just decent enough, just bordering on mediocre enough, even without Kyrie, that they're going to, like, accidentally make the playoffs, and so... And I, and I don't I, I don't pretend to know where everybody's draft picks have ended up these days, but the Nets are the seven seed right now, which is absurd considering they're they're not a great basketball team, but they're uh, two games up on the Magic, and it seems like they're headed for either the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics. I guess are possibilities in that. Prob- I mean, I I honestly don't know what's going to happen down the stretch here. There's still uh, what some thir- some almost thirty games left in the season, a little bit less than that. Um. Even if Kyrie doesn't play, the Nets can't really tank. It's too late for that. So to me, there's there's a little something on the Brooklyn side to say, well, you know, get him back in there, play a little, uh, get people excited. It's really weird, though. It's really weird because this is a guy in Kyrie that had a 54-5-5 game uh, on the 31st and then hurt his knee or had sort of a quiet game while hurting his knee on the 29th. As of Thursday of last week, the report was that he was expected to practice after the All-Star break. That he was going to come to practice this week and hope that his knee was right. And then all of a sudden, this report that he re-aggravated his shoulder, I'm inclined to think that either that either one of a couple of things is happening. Number one, remember we got the report like two months ago that they had mostly been doing cortisone injections in the shoulder to try to get the inflammation down. And then I wonder if that worked... And then over time, sometimes those cortisone things, they just wear off slowly over time. So it's possible that it just never really got better, which is extremely unnerving going forward. Or it's just not as bad as they're saying, and they do want to sit him down until next year. But, I, you know, I, 
I think there's a chance he comes back. I think there's a chance Steph Curry plays. But from a story standpoint, it makes way less sense for Steph to get on the court. That team wants to be at the bottom of the pack right now. They're sort of like, what's the point of throwing him out there to win a ball game? Is it just to show people that he's okay? I guess there's that. Apparently, the report, and you probably saw this as well, is that they're going to be issuing an update on Steph on the 28th of this month. So nine days from now, we'll get a report on Steph Curry. Uh, I guess I'll plant my flag in it, Brandon. I, you can, you and I can both pick a, where we stand on this. I, I think both guys actually play at some point between now and the end of the regular season. Um, but I, I think it's limited. And I think with Steph, you're going to have, you know, every other game off. He's probably going to be playing half games. I don't know about the full thing. I do think he gets on the court before the season's done, though. Do you think he plays at all? I do. Uh, And I don't think he should, but I do think he will come back. And for Kyrie, I'm going to say that he's not coming back. I I think that he's going to need surgery on this shoulder in the offseason. It just seems like that's inevitable at this point. Because I think I read um, something that you're talking about with the quarter zone shots. I think I read that those aren't working anymore. And because of that, he obviously is in pain. And it's crazy because, like you said, he just scored over 50 points in the game, and then this comes out. It's really wild when those types of things happen. I mean, Pascal Siakam went and scored over 20 points in a game, and then we find out that he hurt himself in that same game and continued playing through it. It's these injuries that come out after the fact, and this goes back to what we've been talking about all year, is that this is the year... This is the season of the injury and having no idea when someone's going back and when they got hurt. And it's it sucks from a fancy standpoint. And I think for Kyrie, I don't think he's coming back. It, it just seems there's way too many ominous reports. Um, it just doesn't seem like there's anything going on and anything being said that, you know what? Yeah, he's coming back. No problem. He's coming back. It just doesn't make sense. And I don't think they're going past that seven seed. And so the question is, do you bring him back? Sure. I mean, maybe you bring him back for the playoffs. Uh, but does it make sense? I mean, these teams need to start looking towards next year because none of them are beating the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, and Raptors. It's it's that simple. And I understand the revenue that you bring in for the playoffs, but it just doesn't make sense to bring back Kyrie. Um, I think Steph does come back. And from a fancy standpoint, it, it sucks because it's someone that you want to add, obviously, because this is a top five guy when he's healthy, but you have no idea what his minutes are going to be like. And the question is, do you want him basically taking a roster spot up when you don't know when he's going to play and how many minutes he's going to play? And it's incredibly frustrating. Would and you trade for either that, of them? Would you, would, buy, I, would you buy on either of them if the price was low enough? Uh, depends. I mean, Kyrie, if I have to give anything inside the top 100, I would not do. Mm. What, about, and, what about Steph? How high would you go? How high will you fly? How about he's a free agent in both my leagues right now? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, someone so, did drop Kyrie in one of my leagues. That happened. I think, yeah, Steph, I think is, Steph is owned in all of them. Um, if you're competing for a playoff spot, by the way, I, I'm, I'm okay with uh, Kyrie being a drop. Just, yeah. Just, that's, I mean, this is just another reason that you don't want to be near the bubble at this point. This is why you got to get off to a fast start in fantasy. Don't, don't put yourself in a position where you're sitting on a, a, a first-round guy and you're just like, well, I got to get into the playoffs. This, that's the type of thing that'll kill you. But you're right, though. I mean, you're absolutely right. If you're not going to make the playoffs, if the choice is drop your insane upside guy and 
maybe squeak into the playoffs or keep them and definitely don't make the playoffs. You have to do the one that maybe gets you in. You have to. Yeah. Crushing. Yeah. I'm looking at my list of guys right now. I would give up someone eh, pretty much anyone beyond 90. I think I would give up for either of those guys. Hmm. And That's some guys inside 90, too. Here, here's my question to you. Head to head, do you feel the same way? No, that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, the fun, that's the funny thing about having the two of us on a podcast is that I come from this with a head to head mindset. You come with it from a roto mindset. And so that's why I'm saying Kyrie, it's, he's the drop for sure. And if you're in a weekly league in roto style where you have those three bench spots, sure, go ahead. You can stash Kyrie. You can stash Steph. It doesn't hurt you when you're going to probably ride the majority of your studs every single week. Yeah. Uh, so it just, but in those situations and head to head where it's daily and every single person on your roster matters, it just doesn't make sense to hold that roster spot hostage when you don't know when these guys are going to come back and what you're going to get from them. Yeah, you're right. I, I believe you. I got, I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, let's talk to Cavaliers because this is one that's absolutely boggling my mind and it, and I, maybe it has a fantasy ramification. Maybe not. We really won't know, but, uh, John Beeline is out um, a half a season into a five-year contract. That's that's pretty unusual. My question for you, Brandon, is what the hell did the Cavaliers think they were getting into? I mean, what roster, what expectations were there for this year? I get it that there's like a bit, there's all these articles coming out this morning already about what a, what a culture mess it had become there and nothing was working and everybody hated each other and nobody was buying in. And yeah, I get it. Um Although to the you know at the same token, Colin Sexton has actually gotten better this year, and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. has looked like he's made some small strides. So I thought the young guys were actually improving a little bit. Is it just that the old guys were so done with it? I just I can't wrap my head around this the the way this entire thing went. I know that if it was just going to be bad for five years. You just you pull the plug early, so there's a certain element of like, you know what, let's just take the hit. Let's just do this now, and we don't have to let it linger. But how did it get to this point? What a, what a complete and utter mess. It's actually pretty simple. I don't think the Cavs' upper management knows what they're doing. I don't think Dan Gilbert knows what he's doing. I don't think Kobe Altman right now knows what he's doing. Or if he does know what he's doing, he's being hampered by Dan Gilbert. But let's not forget... This organization has been crap and will continue to be crap without LeBron. I mean, LeBron has been the savior for this Cavs organization. When were they good without LeBron James? I mean, that's the thing here is that LeBron meant so much to this team and you take him off this squad and they're just not good enough. They don't know what they're doing. This is the same team. If I'm not mistaken, now I'm going to forget his name. Who's the guy they took number one when they had the uh, the number one overall pick in that terrible draft? Uh, Bennett. Yeah, there you go. They, this is the same team that took Bennett, number one. I, I just don't think they know what they're doing. And you go and you have Kevin Love, who everyone would have probably put at least 90% to be traded by the time the season's deadline was over. And he's still on their roster. And Thompson, he too. Went, Tristan Thompson. Yeah, exactly. He went after their management. Love went after the management. And you still keep, keep him on the roster. It just doesn't make sense, and I don't think they understand what they're doing long-term. And how about this? They have Beeline, and they signed to a five-year deal, which is 
absurd, by the way, for a guy that was good at Michigan. No doubt about that. And he wanted to test himself in the NBA. But five years is ridiculous. Second of all, you already had a succession plan in place with J.B. Bickerstaff, who has not been a good NBA coach. No. And you're talking about succession plan five years down the line? You're telling me that, yep, J.B. Bickerstaff is the guy we want in five years or in six years. What? Yeah, what? You don't know. You don't know who's going to be good as a head coach down the line. You don't know if you're going to want somebody else. It doesn't make sense at all. And it is baffling, and it all goes back to the top. Five is a long – five years is a really long time, by the way. A really yeah. long time. Yeah. A very, 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 very long time. In fact, I don't think the Lakers have had a guy for longer than three years or so <laughs> since Phil left. Hoop ball hasn't even been in existence for five years. Yeah. It, it, people don't understand how many seasons that is. Nick Nurse has not been in charge of Toronto for that long. Brad Stevens has been in charge of Boston for, I'm guessing, about eight or nine years. But like it's, it seems like ages. It just doesn't make sense. And I don't think they know what they're doing. Um, you and I were talking about it before we started the pod. They have two guards that both want to score in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. They have two bigs that don't want to be there in Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. They have a guy in Larry Nance that should probably be playing more, and they're not. Kevin Porter Jr. absolutely has become a better player, and frankly, it's to be expected. Kevin Porter Jr., by the way, was a lottery pick before the season started last year at USC, and he had some issues in terms of eligibility. Finally, was able to get out of it. Actually, that was Melton that issued eligibility. Kevin Porter finally had a season where he was able to get out of there, and he dropped down, I think, to later in the first round or maybe in the second. I forget where he was drafted. But it's just one of those things where – these guys have potential, and who exactly do you think is going to unlock that potential and be the right guy now? That, that's the question. J.B. Bickerstaff, apparently. Yeah. And what are they going to do? Are they going to remove the interim tag from him at the end of the season? Brutal. This is brutal. So what do we think happens? Does he make large changes to the people that are playing minutes or how they do things? I mean, it's, it's mid-February at this point. No, it doesn't. It's... Baker staff was there on the staff. What's he going to do? Well, I mean, what's he going to change? Is he going to go and put Larry Nance in over Kevin Love? No. Piss off Kevin Love even more. I think they are going to. How do you not buy out Tristan Thompson? Uh, I know that uh, our buddy Josh over at Basketball Monsters is very furious with the concept of a uh, of uh, buyout. Um, but the thing is that it doesn't make sense to have him on the roster. Save some money. You have no need to have him there. Go ahead and play your young guys more. And get somebody off the team that's a veteran that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, I completely agree. And the argument before for keeping Tristan Thompson was because he was holding the locker room together. Do we need that anymore? Have we removed the thing that was tearing the locker room apart? Or at least the scapegoat for why the locker room was an issue? Now it seems like you could just you could get rid of Tristan Thompson and everything will just be hunky-dory. Yeah, I don't think the locker room ever was together. I mean, it, it really seems there were some articles that came out that even before the season started, they're like, nope, nope, this isn't the guy. Nope, no chance. And it's like, how do you hire somebody? And before the season starts, you already know this guy that's signed to a five-year deal is not the answer. Yeah, bad, bad move, guys. Um, and now we got a report this morning, by the way, that the Cavs could look to potentially trade Andre Drummond over the summer, assuming he opts into the uh, final year on his deal. So who the hell knows what's going on out there? That's actually the first rumor I've heard that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, they're just hoping, I guess, to flip him for more than they bought him for, which would be maybe a decent move. 
So what do you do with the Cavs that you have right now? I'm still holding on Larry Nance to see if they can squeeze 24, 25 minutes out of him. They have so many damn centers on that team. And what if somebody gets bought out? What if Tristan Thompson ends up getting uh, getting waived and they, they come to some sort of agreement there? Nance seems like the guy that could potentially benefit the most if they can clear out a little bit of runway for him. Yeah. And by the way, who's taking that Drummond contract? I haven't a clue. I mean, there were a couple of teams that were linked to him that didn't want to pay the price mid-season, but that price ended up being, you know, a bag of Funyuns and a second-round pick. Yeah, and those Funyuns were a couple uh, days old. Too. Yeah, they were, they were funky Funyuns. Yeah, they are definitely funky. I mean, if, if the only team that would take him on is the Detroit Pistons because they stupidly already took on Blake Griffin in that contract. I mean, I mean now they are stuck with Blake Griffin because I don't think anybody's going to take that on. And if you re-sign Andre Drummond to a big contract, no one's taking it. It, it just doesn't make sense. The, the, the Today's NBA has shown that a guy like that is great for fantasy, but in reality, it, it's not good enough to get wins. And you need to have a guy that can spread the floor, and Drummond now all of a sudden thinks he can shoot threes. But it's, it's not the way today's NBA is going. Mm. So no real changes then from a fantasy perspective. Just wait and see a little bit. Yeah, has, I mean, the only thing is, is that maybe Larry Nance steps into minutes once they buy out Tristan Thompson. One would hope. One would hope. One would hope. Um, what we'll about see about Love's other... injury, by the way, because we haven't had any update on that. It's also very possible true. that we get something on that, hopefully, in the next day or two. Have you bought into the Damian Lillard uh, conspiracy theories, which I think are pretty pretty cool, actually, if they turn out to have any merit, that he... Uh, that he did actually tweak his groin a tiny bit, but they were basically cooked in that game already, and that he ended up sitting out the All-Star game so his buddy Devin Booker could make it? That would be cool. I don't buy it, but I think that would be cool. That was that was circulating, and now he's going to be reevaluated, likely today. Uh, he might not miss any games for this injury. Yeah, that'd event. be crazy. For the people that went and tried to uh, grab CJ McCollum, that's going to suck for them. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, other injury-related things that I think are sort of our main focus here on this this Wednesday before games start back up. Sounds like the Suns are finally getting healthy again. Do you think Aaron Baines does enough to be relevant? I'm thinking no. 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 And uh, hallelujah, DeAndre. Let's go, buddy. Yeah, he's expected to play. That ankle is better for now. Yeah, hopefully it uh, it stays good for the next uh, five or six weeks, please. Clint Capella did not practice yesterday. Um, you streaming Dwayne Dedman for as long as possible? I know I am. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. If you have Dedman, fire him up. He'll get you a couple blocks per game, points, rebounds. Go ahead. I got two more topics I want to go over on today's show. I don't know how long they're going to take, but whatever it is, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in this one until next week. The Chicago Bulls and their roster of injuries and Rashawn Holmes. Those are the two directions I want to go. I give it to you. Which direction you want to go first? Uh, let's start with the Bulls. It's an interesting one because uh, all these guys are now on the waiver wire. Um, at least they were in my competitive league. Wendell Carter, uh, Larry Markin, I believe, was dropped as well. Um, it's, it's, different. it's a tough situation to figure out because, uh, yeah, you don't know who's going to play. It seems like Wendell Carter's back tomorrow. Um, how many minutes is he going to get? And uh, what does that do for the usage around the guys guys around him? I mean, Zach Levine was running the show for a while, but now Carter's going to get touches. Markman will get touches. Otto Porter. Um, is he going to come back? Is he going to get minutes? It's a fascinating situation. Do you – I'm I'm more inclined to stash Lowry Markman than Otto Porter. 
Agree? Yes. Yeah. I'm not convinced that Otto Porter actually does enough to be fantasy relevant this year. Yeah, no, I, I can see that because I think it's possible that he sits in back-to-backs and his minutes are limited. And he was trash before he got hurt, too. So um, at least a marketing, he was bad to start the season, but he started to ramp back up and became a viable pl- player. And then, uh, well, I guess, all right, let's put it this way. In, in order of how you'd want to have them on your team down the stretch, how would you, how would you rank them? Marketing Carter Porter. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one, too. And then do we think Rashawn Holmes is playing the rest of this year? I think yes. You think he's going to be back right after the All-Star break? No, not necessarily, but I do think he'll play before the season's done. I think he'll get in there before the fantasy playoffs start in about three weeks. God, I hope so, man. That would be so brutal. He's, he's on my most competitive team, and I'm sitting there with that spot. It's a keeper league, too. So he's $7 next year. Um, and it just sucks. I, I hope I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And it seems like that there's a reason to bring him back um, as opposed to like veterans. This is a guy that I think you want to have back. He didn't play a ton with De'Aaron Fox. So it makes sense to have him back to see how those two work. So that's really it. That's the injury stuff. Am I forgetting anybody? Yeah. Go back to the Bulls for a second. Okay. What are you dropping to add these guys because (laughs) Wendell Carter was just added in my league and I was waiting. Do I want to use that spot that I normally do to stream to add a guy like Wendell Carter Jr.? I looked at his numbers a little more closely. About 1.5 steals and blocks combined. Gets points and rebounds. Not a ton else. Um, And my team was pretty rebound heavy. So is it for rebound and needy teams that you think he's worth it? Or would you go with it no matter what your team looks like? I'm kind of a go with it no matter what on him. I, it just it feels to me like he's a very safe inside the top 100 center, and <clears throat> and he's he's relatively consistent in that regard. You kind of know what you're getting out of him. The guys around him, there's only a couple of them I think that I would drop for him. Uh, P.J. Tucker is an obvious drop for him. He's ranked actually right in front of Wendell Carter Jr. at 94. Uh, <clears throat> Josh Hart is 88. I'd probably drop him. So some of these guys that, that bounce around significantly based on who's healthy around them are, to me, the obvious drops for Wendell Carter Jr. Because when he's back and healthy, he was playing 34, or sorry, he's playing 30 minutes a game this year. Like, he's he has a safe role. He is the starting center on that team when he's healthy. He's just a guy you trust, and you don't have to worry too much about what's kind of going on around him other than his own health. Yeah, that makes sense. And then for marketing, what do you think? Where the hell was he before he went down? Had he moved past him? Oh, they're like right next to one another. Marketing is 99, Carter is 95. <laughs> so uh, similar, similar thing. Uh, I think I would make the move on Carter quicker because it sounds like he's going to be back sooner. And then with marketing, I mean, I, Brandon, I have no idea what a player's recovery from a, a pelvic stress reaction looks like. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And that's the issue with some of these injuries is that you don't know how many minutes these guys are going to play because with Chicago, I mean, they're a team that is most likely not going to make the playoffs, but they're five games back of a spot. So they're going to try. Um, but yeah. the question is, how many minutes do these guys play and what does their production look like? And I mean, Chris Dunn, it looks like he's going to be out for the year. Yep. Um, so it really just seems really unsure of what Boylan's going to do. I mean, let's forget. I mean, let's not forget. This is the same guy that refused to play Gafford. It seemed. Um, so that's my only concern is that I don't know 
that we know for sure how many minutes these guys are going to get. You can hit us with follow-ups on this stuff if you want to figure out who your drop is on your team. I think there's a pretty standard hierarchy here of what you're doing, but again, big question marks around a pelvic stress reaction. We, I don't know. I think Wendell Carter Jr. gets ramped up to full speed at kind of the normal pace with Markin, and it's a big, fat question mark. I mean, my tool with a lot of this stuff, I'm sure you do the same thing, Brandon, is look at, look at precedent. There really isn't precedent for what we're seeing here with Markkinen, although they did say that if things were more competitive, it was like a playoff game, he probably would have just played through it, and they were like, ah, screw it, we'll shut him down for a little bit and, and get him fully healthy. So there's there's this weird Bulls want to have it both way things going on where they, they, they want to say that they're competing, but at the same time they're also going really gently with their guys. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen to the guy coming back from a sore pelvis. Uh, we do know what happens when guys come back from badly sprained ankles. They ramp their way up. So, Wendell Carter Jr., you got to make that move if you haven't already. Markinen, this is probably the time to stash him if you're thinking about it, but be aware he might not be at full tilt even into your fantasy playoffs. This could be, you know, he comes back in a week, two weeks, whatever it is. It might take another two weeks after that. So uh, for me, that one's probably more of a, a direction I'd go in Roto over head-to-head. Does that seem reasonable to you? You're my head-to-head guy here. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. All right. Okay. I think that's about it. I'm looking yeah. through the list of injured players. I don't see anybody else that I feel like I need to talk about. Oh, you know, we have got a call. All right, very quick one here before we end it. Uh, do you think Jabari Parker does anything in Sacramento? Kings are so weird. They might just play him 25 minutes a game. Yeah, it's possible. It's really possible. There, I mean, this is this is silly season. I mean, a- after the All Star break, we start seeing guys emerge that we never expected to do a whole lot and become really viable assets. So it, it's silly season. It's definitely possible, especially with Rashawn Holmes out. He would play largely power forward in that in that unit. Um, I don't know. Emmanuel Bielitz's voodoo doll has seemingly kept his minutes safe for a long time to this point. Would I would I stash Jabari Parker to see what happens? I think my answer is no. I think I'd rather see him play before I pick him up. I don't I don't think this is a roster spot I use um until I have a better idea of what they're doing with it. I, and that might mean that I miss out on him in some leagues, but I also don't think he's going to be a guy that wins you your league. Like what's the what's the best case scenario for him? 25 minutes a game? Yeah. That's yeah. not enough. <laughs> right. And and by now I mean it's he just gets thrown in the lump of other guys that we get asked about time and time again with people that I should add. Is, should I add Napier? Should I add Schmidt? Should I add X? Should I add Y? Should I add Jabari Parker? Should I add Kennard? Uh, it's like all these guys are floating around on the wire for a reason. Add one, hope you get lucky. Yeah, if you're adding Parker, you're doing it because you want points on a decent field goal percent. You don't mind the fact that his free throw shooting isn't very good. Uh, and you're also understanding that his steals rate this year was way above his career mark and could very well come down in Sacramento as opposed to uh, in Atlanta earlier this year. So I don't think that I'm sitting on that dude. There are other, we've talked about a bunch of these other potential stash guys. I think I'd rather sit on over Parker. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. is one of them. Norman Powell's probably another, either of those first rounders because of the upside. Parker's pretty far down my list of guys that I'd, that I'd want to sit on at this point in the year. Brandon, uh, next week might be our last buy low, sell high before we get into like playoff prep stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. boy. It's going to be a big one. Oh, man. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready for it to be over, man. 
I know. I already scheduled. Uh, I just got my my pick for my baseball league, so we're uh, we're starting to ready to fire for baseball. Oh, today. baseball! Don't even get me started on this this whole thing. <laughs> I purposely did it, Dan. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so look, I I know this is a basketball podcast, but we're gonna spend three minutes here doing baseball at the end. Um, you know how I feel. I'm a I'm a diehard Dodger fan. Have been since birth. Basically, that was like I grew up on baseball. I didn't get into basketball until I was like ten or eleven years old, because uh, baseball was just so much cheaper. You know, my mom, my me and my mom, we'd go and sit in that upper upper nosebleed, like looking down on the universe section at Dodger Stadium, and the seats were five dollars when I was a kid up there. Uh, my mom knew these like secret places you could park that were outside the stadium or we'd sit like park up near the top and it would anyway it was uh it was wonderful so i've been a dodger fan since since very young it's pretty obvious to see how i feel about how this whole astros thing has gone down i thought it was really interesting and i know brandon you're more of an angels guy that mike trout was speaking out about it that's a really big deal that sort of gives cover for everyone else in the league to express their thoughts too yeah, and it's beautiful because this is the same uh, Mike Trout that was criticized by Mark by Rob Manfred for not being a uh, an actual like face of the game essentially and uh, being quiet. And then here he goes right in his face, and he's <laughs> saying that the Astros are basically cheaters. And it now has opened up. Guys like Cody Bellinger are very vocal. Um, you have guys like Trevor Bauer that are Bauer's off his rocker in the yeah, first place. Yeah, and he's nuts. You, you add this, and man, he's going to go off the deep end. I mean, if you have the athletic, and this is a quick pro- plug for that. I mean, that, that article that was written um, with Trevor Bauer's quotes about the whole thing was is well worth it. Um, and now you have the you have a season in which this is the least excited I am going forward to looking looking forward to a season. And this is now a season in which I think the Astros are now being protected by baseball, which is BS. I mean, they're saying there'll be larger punishments. For if you throw at them, which by the way, you, sure you could hurt somebody with a bat with a baseball going 95 miles per hour. That's probably worse um, than looking at a video monitor. Can I wait? Of- can I let me jump in on the throwing at them thing? I don't yeah. want anyone to throw at the Astros because the second they start getting nailed, then they can really play the victim card. It's way better to let them just wear this embarrassment. They've got the they've got the scarlet letter on them right now. Don't let them be. Don't let them be the victim. That's such a that's such a modern social media era thing. Like as soon as you get called out for being, a, you know, a criminal or a cheater or whatever it happens to be in this modern age, and it's like, oh, you're being so mean to me for me being caught. So just yeah. let them be caught. Let them let everybody speak out about what a what a garbage fire that that whole thing has become. Don't let don't hit them. Don't let them start crying that they're getting punished too much. Let them be the bad guy the whole year. It's actually a really good point. And if you look at how they've handled this, their PR team has been an absolute mess in terms of how they're apologizing and then not basically taking back those apologies in a way. And they think that their World Series is legitimate. Like, say it's illegitimate. Say we cheated. You know what? We have this title and there's nothing that can be done now to give it to the other team. We cheated. We're sorry about it. Like, nobody has gone and done that and, and said that the World Series is tainted. I mean, they are now trying to say, you know what, it was just 2017, look at the report. It's like, we don't buy that. We don't buy it. And the fact of the matter is that MLB got complaints from several teams about it. 
and did nothing. Did nothing. Yeah. That is the bigger issue about this. Put the Astros aside. Rob Manfred and baseball knew this was going on and did nothing. And then for Manfred to come out and call the World Series trophy a piece of metal, I mean, he has handled this so poorly. And now it's going to hurt the game. I mean, it really is going to hurt the game. I think ratings will go down this year. Um, I think the only time that you'll actually see maybe ratings go up is for people to see what happens with the Astros. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, re- I really hope that at a- every single stadium, someone is banging on a trash can during the entire game. I hope they get booed the entire game because that kind of stuff is stuff where they can't play the victim. If yep. you go and you just bang trash cans and you boo them and basically do whatever possible to make them feel terrible. And now there's a lot of pressure on them because if they don't hit and they don't win games – then they're going to look really, really bad. And they're now playing the victim card in a way where they're saying, we'll show you. We'll go out and win 100 games without the video. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. And the thing is, they're, like, they're players on that team that are still pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, they have one of the best top four or fives that baseball has seen in a while with Bregman, Altuve, Springer, Jordan Alvarez. I mean, those guys are unbelievable. And now they're tainting that a bit. Yeah, and they're never going to get the benefit of the doubt, and nor should they, because that's I think that's one of their main complaints. Is like you got to trust me on this. It's like, well, no, not really. Like, how can don't try to convince us of anything else because you're a cheater. We're not going to believe you. So just do what Brandon said. Just say, yeah, like we we messed this up. Like we're we're really sorry, and you know you can nail us if you want. Like just just clobber us. We did this. We're bad. Um, and whenever you guys, you know what the sentence is that no one has said that they really should is to say, whenever the rest of the league is ready to move forward, we will do so as well. It's not your choice, Astros, of when you get to move forward. They keep yeah. saying we're ready to move forward. Yeah, I'm sure you are, but nobody else is. There's just, I don't know. I mean, it's. They're apologizing because they got caught. And that's the one thing that everybody is saying. And it's, it's so true. They don't feel sorry. You don't go and do something like that and then feel sorry two years later. You you just don't. When they were doing it, they did not feel sorry they were doing it. No, not at all. And stop – anyway, stop telling everybody when it's time to move forward. It's not your damn choice. Uh, just, just wear it and shut the hell up. And please, Carlos Correa, don't try to claim that you won your World Series fair and square. That is the most idiotic thing I've heard in weeks. Okay, apologies, NBA fans. This just, I mean, Brandon and I are both baseball guys, too, so you got a little dose here. BD Marcus on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris. Hey, I put this out on Twitter yesterday, and I'll put it out here on the podcast. We are looking for podcast voices right now. We've had a little bit of shuffling of the deck here at Hoopball, and so we got a couple of spots open. If you want to get involved on the podcast side, hit me at Dan Bespris on Twitter or email teamhoopball.com at hoop-ball.com. Again, this is a contributor spot, but uh, there are some openings here, so we'd, we'd uh, look to get guys into the mix pretty quick. And if you sound good and you're confident and you like the sound of your own voice, you kind of have to do a little bit, don't you? Right? Yeah. yeah, and I'll add to that, that I uh, I found Hoopball because of one of your tweets like that, where I said I'm interested in fancy basketball, and you and I connected, and here I am, and all over the place now on Hoopball, and uh, also looking for someone that, might be available during days during the week to uh, possibly step in once in a while on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. There so you if go. you know the Clippers and you uh, enjoy talking, uh, yeah, hit Dan up. There you go. He's Brandon. I'm Dan. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Back tomorrow. Games are back tomorrow. So long, <laughs> folks. <laughs>
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.